0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pixels for Breakfast pod. I'm your host, Steve, joined as always by my developer co-host and friend, Blue. How's it going?
1: I am staying cool in an air-conditioned room in an otherwise very Ooh, warm it's country. It's kind
0: of warm up here too, which is kind of nice, but it's only going to be nice for a week and then it's going to be, uh, I'm over it. <laughs> and then it's going to be Japanese summer. Oh yeah, yeah. not looking forward to that. What I am looking forward to is speaking about a bunch of gaming news with my friends. So shall we kick this off? Let's jump into it. Okay, so we're going to start off with Rockstar, who have publicly thanked and paid a GTA Online player who fixed a bunch of issues with poor loading time. And they actually rolled it into an official update. So the original story was from, uh, I think, the end of last week where a fan uh, named ToasterCX, who goes by Tost, uh, claimed that they had discovered a way to reduce GTA Online's loading time by up to 70% on PC, and they put that up on GitHub. They put it there with, like, this is a proof of concept. It's not for casual use, can cause problems. Mm. But the people over at Rockstar took a look at it and were like, hey, you're, you're right. right. That kind of does yeah. work. So... They actually awarded him uh, $10,000 US dollars through Rockstar's bug bounty Mm -hmm. program. And normally that's just for security flaws and privacy and all that sort of stuff. But Rockstar said that they would make an exception in this case because it was, you know, a pretty simple but easy fix that, you know, benefited the whole community. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of nice to see that stuff happen. And, you know, you used to hear a lot about modders and things like that. Back in the day, he would end up at studios from little things like that. I think that happens less now, but it's nice to see people be rewarded for giving back to the community. Definitely.
1: 70% is nothing to sneeze at. That, you know, cuts a load time of 10 seconds down to three, right? It's a big deal.
0: Exactly. And, like, GTA load times have been pretty bad in the past. I mean, I don't play GTA online, but I even remember just, you know, that GTA when it launched being pretty sluggish even on modern PCs for its time. I I don't
1: think we covered this when it first broken when the when the news first broke but yeah i'm glad to see that that this is the resolution that comes out of that because with with a lot of other companies it'd be something like a cease and desist to pull their their code offline or something like that
0: and i'm really glad that's not the case here absolutely but speaking of ceasing and desisting activision have fired dozens of staff members over the last few days Uh, activision blizzard have fired 50 employees is the number that's going around it's a bit higher than that i think uh Um, it's less than two percent of the total workforce uh which is less than 190 190 employees just
1: because that number discrepancy is so big 50 to 190 um i i think it's just not quite clear 50 was specifically uh, mentioned as part of the esports programming and live events yeah
0: so it does seem like that is where most of the uh, jobs have been Mm. pulled uh there's also people that have been pulled from king.com who I forgot, Activision Blizzard owned Uh, until right now. Yeah, (laughs) like, I haven't had to think about Uh, King for a long time. Yeah, and of course, for those who maybe don't know, King is the maker of Candy Crush, that series of Mm. games. I mean, this isn't, I guess, unexpected, and I do think that we're going to see this happen a lot more in companies Mm -hmm. like, you know, Riot, for instance, and stuff like that, because there is a big shift away from live events. I mean, we had BlizzCon online- blues con line right. however you want to say that they we had that event with like e3 was going all digital has been dropped like basically events are not going to be come back in any meaningful way mm-hmm. this year more, more than likely uh how long do you keep people in a position that isn't needed yep. like from a business sense i get mm-hmm. it from a personal sense obviously thoughts and commiserations go out to so those who have lost their job especially i know that a lot of people who work in the events teams of these companies like have a huge passion not only for the events but the games that they're representing it, and that kind of it's sucks. the only way
1: because these positions are what i call what i think of as grind grind down positions like they grind you down it um the burst of activity of an event running is tiring i i, I don't advise anyone do that for too long in their lifetime you know I, I think you can do it for a while and it's really cool because the rush and the excitement of Hosting an event is something I really like as well, but I also acknowledge that it has quite a cost if you are doing this back to back, year after year after
0: year. Firing, I mean, um, even doing two or three game conventions as yeah, a developer, yeah, was just as a developer, alone? right? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, a, a weird side of this is that so they're being the the severance packages are pretty generous and it's you know fairly decent. Um, A weird part that the internet is kind of arguing over is whether or not part of the package being a $200 Battle.net gift card is insulting, which I find kind of funny because I can see the argument on both sides. I kind of don't know. I think it's like contextual and depends on the situation, right? But, yeah, everyone who's being fired is, give, is being given a $200 Battle.net gift
0: card. I mean, if you worked there and you didn't already own all the Battle.net games, something's probably very uh, wrong. Some people
1: said something <laughs> about uh, if you want to continue a subscription to World of Warcraft, for example, this helps supplement that. Um, yeah, right,
0: right. I mean, I can see
1: reasons why. And I can also see totally see the reasons of, like, why you would think this is just backhanded. Because it's like, hey, you're fired. Keep supporting us, right? That's that's one of the tones you can take away from
0: this. I mean, yeah, but it's not like they're saying, hey, we're not going to give you severance, but here's Precisely. a $200 gift card. I think card. this is... <laughs> like, yeah. that's the argument I'm Absolutely. <laughs> I think
1: I can see both sides, and I kind of think it's a funny thing as opposed to an insulting thing um, because of the yeah. way it sounds on paper. When you stop to think about it, it makes sense, but, like, on paper, you're fired on top of pay. Here's $200 gift card. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah just something worth bringing up. Still, yeah. Um, yeah, the internet strikes I think minute. you bring up
1: a good point with Riot, though, because their um, in-person events team is gigantic, and I would not be surprised to see something changing about that soon. But y- Yeah, yeah
0: it'll out. be interesting. They'll either... I mean, Riot has enough cash coming through those doors, or at least they have the perception that they do that they could probably weather out the storm. Mm. Um, and, you know, some would argue that Activision and Blizzard do as well, but we all know that Activision like to build those profits as high as possible so it kind of makes sense activision
1: is acting as if it's going to go bankrupt like next week out of the blue
0: there's no way that's true
1: but it it keeps acting as if it it has to penny pinch or it's going to go up in smoke and that's not an attitude that will last for long it'll 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 turn around again at some point and it'll just start throwing money at events again like keeping in mind this is the company that made overwatch league happened happen by force of expenditure because i don't think it was i don't think the product they had when they first launched it was that good but just by sheer force of marketing and getting people on board i think is how they managed to make it work
0: yeah that's very Mm. true okay i don't have a segue for this one so (laughs) i try so hard but i've kind of made that my personal mission um yeah when you when you were saying grinding down i was like that's the segue but we got too far Mm. away from it Google is reducing their Play Store cut down to 15% for a developer's first million dollars in annual revenue every year. This is basically in direct response to our friends over at Epic fighting Apple, which we've talked about a lot on this podcast, it feels like. Um, Basically, they're matching Apple's fee reduction uh, that, you know, basically for 99% of Android developers that sell digital goods or services, your fees are going to be 50% reduced. As part of this, um, and until you earn your first million dollars and then they go back up to, I guessing 30%, I don't think the yeah, article, it goes uh, up to yes 30%, it does, yeah. yeah, goes up to 30%. Uh, so yeah, this is great. Once again, Epic is not one of those companies, uh, that will benefit from this, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> which I find hilarious. I'm sure they're taking that as a badge of honor yeah. now, but I'm sure that wasn't their intention either, uh. But yeah, this is good to see Google sort of following suit there. So I would say that other storefronts uh, will kind of almost be forced to. Steam. Yeah, everyone's looking at Steam right now. (laughs) Like Everyone reading this article. Steam is the Wild West, right? (laughs) Everyone
1: reading this article is just looking sideways at Steam like, Hey, buddy, can we have a chat? 30% is really high. I would like to point out nowadays, um, 30% is really high. And a lot of the stuff is being automated now. So I hope... That more people look at this and urge Steam to cut that down a bit because it's really rough out there.
0: You don't make much. Yeah, I mean, 30% is really large. And then when you have teams, even small teams signing with publishers, like you lose 30% before the publisher then takes their 30% of what's left over or 50%. Mm -hmm. Or 60% in some cases. So you got to sell a lot of copies to make it worthwhile. And, and
1: I, I get it, right? Like, there was capital put up front to create this storefront and to get this marketplace in position in the first place. I get it. I understand that. You should have return of investment. You should have something coming back for people being on your platform. But I also think this is one of those numbers that should be going down with time as you get more established and the systems are more in place it costs you less and less to just exist for people to put games out on your platform and effectively market for you for free. Uh, But I'm not, this is one part of the industry. I'm not like super well-versed in, right? One part, one of many parts of the industry. I'm not super well-versed in. This is just personal opinion. Really like more than ever. Personal opinion: I don't know what the numbers are behind the scenes, but to developers, thirty percent feels extremely steep, and there aren't re- there isn't really another choice in a lot of these cases. So, um, very cool to see Google cutting down, and if they can report and say, "Yeah, um, the Play Store is still as profitable as ever," then maybe other people will follow. Well, sure.
0: that's the thing, right? Because like they they very out there saying ninety nine percent of developers, yeah. and you would probably say about eighty percent of those developers make less than a grand. Year. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's also the reality. Yeah. So, they're yeah. not going to lose money yeah. on this. And if they do lose money, it's going to be so minute. Yeah. Like, so.
1: you can look at it as buying goodwill as well, is another way to look at it. So, we'll see what happens. I don't think we'll get too much more out of this until someone releases like earnings. Uh, and that won't be for a while because this will take a while to propagate through the system.
0: Just speaking of earnings, oh. thank you for that segue. There Taiwanese developer Red Candle Games, who we've talked about quite a few times, have finally found a way to sell their horror game Devotion. Uh, Now, we have talked about this on the podcast a couple of times now. Devotion has been highly lauded as one of the better horror games of recent time out there. It was out for a very short time and then drastically removed from all storefronts because of an image that was an unflattering reference to China's president. Then I, I want to say it was like two months ago we talked about it on this mm. podcast. GOG came out and said, hey, we're going to sell mm-hmm. it. And then it was removed less than... I don't even think it went live. Yeah. They did a tweet and then 24 hours later yeah. it was walked I back. think the
1: GOG page just never even went live.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the Taiwanese developer has taken matters into their own hands and they're going to be selling... Well, they are selling detention right now, DRM free from their own online store. Mm-hmm. And all of the studio's future projects are going to be sold mm-hmm. there. Uh, the very small quote is, We hope to provide a direct and simple purchasing channel for players who are interested in our games. Uh, you said Detention so, is
1: another of your games. So both games are there, right? I think that's how it is. Yes. Yeah. So,
0: sorry, if I did... We're talking about Devotion was pulled yeah. from the store. Detention is the... Uh, I think it's... I think they're related. Yes, I think they are related. Devotion is a sequel, it's right? One of, yeah, so detention something. is the one that is getting has the Netflix series attached to it and was spun off from mm-hmm. the game. Um, that was also I, I played a little bit of that one. It was creepy mm-hmm. as, uh, but devotion definitely looks like a much bigger project. And like all reports have, <laughs> this is the thing, right? Are all the reports coming out like this is the most amazing thing ever because it was just a handful of people mm-hmm. who got it? Um, like I don't know if it, it has this you know story. Uh, attached yeah. to it now which you know but I'm pretty keen to check it out like I do like a good horror game and it does look super mm-hmm. awesome and having this studio from Taiwan just kicking goals I'm I'm very excited to finally be able to check this one out wish them all the luck because it's going to be a
1: hard road to get eyes on your store when you're just a tiny one studio store good luck yeah. they they need this yeah, they absolutely. they need this um this story around us to make this happen
0: Oh, yeah the infamy yeah. alone just mm-hmm. makes it you know it's kind of It's a a weird um, line to draw here, but it's kind of like Double Fine Games. Like, it doesn't matter where Double Fine or how they sell their games. They have just that fan base attached to them that they'll be okay. Um, They may not make, you know, the most amazing profits in the world before Microsoft walked in the door. But, you know, um, I think, as you said, this story has brought a lot of notoriety to the studio. A lot of people will be following their dev blog and their Discord and... And just buying their games as soon as I'm, they come out. So it's great to see them have a direct I'm going
1: channel. nowhere near this game. I do not handle horror of any variety very well. So
0: Oh, Blue. I guess we're we'll not be playing it together. I will play it together in the same Okay. Way. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll wait until you come visit Japan. Sure. Speaking was- of friends playing video games, a lot of friends are going to be playing a lot of video games on Microsoft Xbox Game Pass because there have been a bunch. That was a stretch. Seven. No, that, was, that was a stretch. Six out of ten. Yes, 6 out of 10. Uh, There's been a lot of activity happening around Game Pass over the past week or so. Uh, So first off, Undertale, the cult RPG that everyone likes except me, apparently, uh, it is finally getting an Xbox release and it's going to be coming to Game Pass, uh, which is pretty awesome. Undertale is this, this, it was a single developer, right? Toby Toby Fox Fox, with maybe some contractors. I believe Um, so. So, yeah, it's going to be coming. Well, it is out on Game Pass right now. You can go play that. They also announced that Octopath Traveler is getting a Xbox version finally, mm-hmm. and it is also coming to Game Pass mm-hmm. alongside a bunch of other announcements. Outriders, the new pick game from People Can Fly. It is going to be a Game Pass launch title for console and Android, not PC. Very important to know that it's not PC. Um we also know that Empire Sin from Brenda and John Romero is coming to console and PC Game Pass. That's pretty good. Bethesda dropped a 20, 20 games on there, 20 of their best hits right now, with more to come down the road as part of that sale that happened. What a random bunch of
1: announcements. There's no, like, conference. There's, it's just, we're, hey, look, we got games. Who wants games? It's just a dude on a corner shouting.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm pretty excited because uh, Yakuza 6 mm-hmm. is on Xbox yep. now. And also, Narita Boy, which looks like a super cool indie game that I've been hanging out for, it comes on the 30th of March. Uh, And then also, EA Play has finally come to Game Pass for PC, dropping 60 games for PC Game Pass subscribers, including Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Sims 4, Need for Speed, Heat, Battlefront 2. Like, so much action going on Game Pass all at once. Like, this is insane. Like, you can't help but be like, why? If you own a PC, or even an Android device at this point, it's getting kind of insane how much value there is if you're into gaming.
1: I want to say, though, the instructions for how to get EA Play to work with Game Pass is one of those things that only PC gamers would put up with this. So to, to, to quote yeah, from the yeah. PC Gamer article, you'll have to install the EA desktop app if you don't have it already installed, then link your EA and Xbox accounts, then go back and forth a bit to like, get the setup done, and then you can play EA Play. Through Game Pass, if this
0: was yeah, which yeah if a, this was on
1: console, there's no way this would get through um, certification like like this, this
0: user experience. is well, yeah, bad. that's that's just disappointing because it is so easy on console. Yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah yeah. So, the only difference is instead of the Game Pass logo, it has an EA mm, logo yep, in the corner. Yeah. Yep. Um, this is a very very quick one, but Disco Elysium: The Final Cut is launching on the 30th of March for PS5, PS4, PC, uh, across GOG, Steam, and Epic, and the App Store. And if anyone's listening, Google Stadia, um, <laughs> yep. it will be a free update to anyone who already owns Disco Elysium. The Xbox version will be coming in the summer. Uh, so this uh, final cut is a bunch of new content, uh, but also has added voice acting for every single line of dialogue in the game. And this game is pretty much nothing but dialogue and that, reading. That's and,
1: crazy. That That's so yeah, much. Yeah,
0: like... So, this game came out in 2018, I want to say. Maybe it was 2019. I was going to say
1: 19, But you might be right, actually. It might be end of 2018. Yeah.
0: Anyway, it's it's only a a couple of years old. Um, It kind of took the world by storm. It's like this really esoteric, strange um, RPG detective story that is unlike anything I've ever played before. And I really liked it. And then they announced that... This was coming. So I was about halfway through a playthrough and I just decided to mm. stop because I'm like, uh, eh, I'm not going to come back and play this again. So I want to play the version with all the good voice acting. So I'm very excited to head back into this one.
1: I don't know how to stress how like insane it is that a game that didn't budget voice acting and got fully voiced, uh, uh, made its game fully voiced. That's not that's yeah. not normal. That's so uncommon. And that's hard. It It, it implies that you you know, didn't have the... Well, it, it is true that voice acting would not have been done alongside any of the writing. So I guess in a way that makes it easier. You you only have final scripts to work from. You don't have like back and forth and adjusting, you know, but
0: yeah. Yeah, there is some voice acting in the yeah. game though. So, so they obviously had a process it's, down. It's kind of interesting. Already. They have to go get those actors, make sure that they have the schedule. Yeah. Like those actors have now seen the success of the mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. So maybe they want more I mean, money that drives up the cost a lot um, you know and I'm not saying that they shouldn't be paid more money because the developers can afford it but it's more of a you could see and you know an egotistical actor being like well you can't make this without <laughs> me now so I'm gonna yeah I'm hoping that it not becomes what happened, a whole but... lot
1: more Hollywood potentially I, I hope that wasn't exactly. the case and I hope that this is all just yeah. amazing and feels good and everyone's happy to work on a cool game together again because oftentimes what I do hear is that voice actors like... You know, if, the game isn't, if the game doesn't treat them poorly, they just like working on games. Because who doesn't like working on games, right? Um, I'll tell you who doesn't <laughs> like working on oh, games. Yeah, let's go. Techland <laughs> doesn't like working on games. Uh, that's, okay, see, that's not fair.
0: That, that might be construed as slander. Uh, yeah, potentially. <laughs> potentially. So, uh, so Techland, uh, they've had Dying Light 2, has had long had rumors of being in development. Mm-hmm. How... Uh, and, you know, I, didn't we um, not, they had the Chris Avalone scandal
1: as well. I feel like we did, but it might not have been on recording. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah.
0: Yes. Actually, I think that was only a couple of yeah. weeks ago. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, problems happening with management. there, yeah. making decisions on the project. Okay. Um, all of those sorts of things. And they came out and said, yep, we probably announced the game too early, but don't worry. We're going to have an update mm. about the, the state of the game this month. That update happened. I will be honest. I have not watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is is—it's uh, a video which apparently is just most of it is just the developers reading angry tweets from people and talking about how bad that is. Yeah. Uh, and the quote here that I'm pulling from Eurogamer, this is a huge and complex project and we need a time to make sure it will live up to our vision. All of us here are putting our hearts into delivering a game that you will keep playing for months. Mm-hmm. And there's- that's it. They basically showed about 15 seconds of new footage, <laughs> which does not really uh, be like, yeah, it's coming out this year, which is what they claim. It's going to be coming sometime yeah. this year. Um, they said that they will be ready to start talking about Dying Light to very, very soon, which doesn't make much sense considering they're very, very soon could have been right now in the press event that they organized, which apparently was nothing. So, I, I, interesting. Devil's Advocate.
1: I can I can kind of see what might have happened here. Hey, we got thrown under the bus. We better put something out there as soon as we can to set the record straight. What do we have that's ready? Everything's still in development. And I'm not saying that it's not ready, uh, as in like it's not progressed. I'm just saying there's a lot of stages between we're happy with this product and we're happy to show someone this product, right? That's, that's there's yeah, quite absolutely. a step there. Just because you get... A gameplay system, in even in a final form, doesn't mean that, you know, all of its polish, all of its UI, all of its appearances are ready. So, maybe, in response to the couple of weeks ago articles that were written about it, Techland decided, let's take this opportunity while there's some attention on us to actually have our say in and, like, spin it in our favor. And this is the best they could do, because time is a luxury. Time is always a luxury when you're developing a video game. That is... My best effort at um, defending them if there is literally about 15 seconds of new footage.
0: But y- you don't need to call no, like attention to, it. we're going to have this Not event, only. and then just talk about how, oh, we're sorry we did it yeah. early, and here are some tweets because you guys are being mean. Yeah. Like, That's true. I don't I know. Agree. That seems just really short-sighted. They could have just put out a statement. Yeah.
1: I, I think a one of the classic um, tweet image letters would have worked fine if that was their message. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I can't really defend them. I don't know much about the project. I definitely haven't been following like,
0: it. Like, I, I want the game to yeah. succeed because I actually do want to play it. But it is one of these things, right, where you had Halo Infinite dramas happen and those guys have just been pumping out like dev update after dev update via their Halo Waypoint site. Mm-hmm. Tons of information dropping there. And... Then you have these guys doing the opposite where they're like, yeah, now nah, let's all get together and do this thing. We don't really have anything to say. Yep. Like put your head down and make the game, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah definitely.
1: Um, I guess for anyone out there waiting for this, this is just be careful <laughs> when the game is about to get launched. Be careful.
0: Yeah, I'm very... Don't pre-order this one. There's my advice. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, yeah. laughs> but uh, I don't have a segue for this one. The Outer Worlds. Uh, you know, it's a it's a RPG from the, uh, Obsidian. A lot of people refer to it as, you know, Fallout New Vegas 2 because it definitely has that vibe. Mm. Uh, has its final DLC and expansion, Murder on Eridanos, out today. And now that it's complete, I might actually go play mm-hmm. this one because I did start it and it seemed pretty yep. cool. Uh, but this expansion actually has a pretty cool uh, premise. I'm just going to read mm. this out. Uh, Murder on Eridanos takes you to the titular planet in order to figure out who murdered Halcyon Helen, star of the in-game TV serial Terror on Monarch. That sounds super cool. I'm really down for that. I think the Outer Worlds, while it didn't really it it didn't really capture me with its like corporate snark, like oh the corporate guys are the bad guys. Like every game that has that sort of motif going on. I I really appreciated its characters and just the colourful world that it had. So, I'm definitely down to really sink into that game and go check out some of this. So, this is out right now for every platform that that game is on, except for Switch. I don't see the Switch uh, announced. And it's uh, basically $15, US so pretty cheap for a bunch of extra content.
1: Some extra hours. If you have the season pass, I believe it's also just free. Well... You bought yeah, it. Yeah, obviously. So yeah, if you have the season
0: pass, you, you it, it completes that yeah. for you. Er,
1: Eridanos, I can't read that correctly. I keep reading that as Eri Ariad Ariadyn. Th- Basically, my brain goes, "Oh, it's an expansion. Eri Eri Ariandel." You know the Dark Souls expansion?
0: Ah, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's right, right. completely <laughs>
1: horrible. Cuz I see Outer Worlds and I'm like, "That that's not what Outer Worlds look like. You don't roll around in the snow in this game." i think i think <laughs> maybe. maybe
0: i don't know i haven't played the expansion maybe i'll tell you a game that i wish i hadn't oh, played yeah yeah Yeah. doom eternal okay. talk to me because you put this piece in uh-huh. you put yeah, this piece in right. so uh an article dropped
1: where um the director for doom eternal um uh, his name is ah uh, it's here somewhere Marty yeah this I apologize. The article is formatted really weirdly, and I'm not sure... If, hey, maybe we got linked a bum article. Um, but basically, um, the director doubled down on the design of the Marauder, effectively saying, no, it's good, and it's actually a crystallization of what we want uh, players to learn out of the uh, Doom Eternal system. Hugo Martin, I believe. Yep. That's- um, and let me cover the perspective that he was trying to convey, first of all. It's that You have this enemy that is supposed to be basically invincible until you hit him at the right time to teach you timing. And then you're allowed to go in. And apparently what the Marauder is supposed to teach you is to do weapon swap attacks. So shoot, swap, shoot. And if you're really fast, you can even get a third swap shoot in there, right? Um, From watching speedruns, the speedrunners call this the um, uh, alpha, alpha rotation. Is what they call it, where you just rotate. Um, Weapons to cancel out the reload time. So in Doom 2016, this was considered a technique you learn to be able to take the game to the next level because you get to pump out a lot of damage really fast. And I suppose when you only watch some of the best players, you try to think about, as a designer, how do you get this technique into the hands of your average player? And I guess in the case of Doom Eternal, the answer was the Marauder. However... (laughs) The director also, you know, admits that, um, yeah, maybe the design has some failings. Um, To quote here, um, the article that is, uh, Telegraphing when the Marauder is vulnerable and for how long wasn't even clear to FPS expert and Twitch personality Shroud, who Martin watched fight the Marauder for the first time. And then quoting from Martin, I remember sitting there watching Shroud do it and he'd shoot him once. So if one of the best FPS players in the world doesn't immediately learn your tells maybe
0: your design ain't that good (laughs) is is uh is part of it right um but what yeah i mean i disagree with what he's saying (laughs) completely but like for me doom eternal just had uh, many problems Mm. like the marauder was just one problem and it was one major glaring problem um, and he can sit there and say, actually, no, the design's good because we want you to do this and that, but there are enough people very vocal that there's a problem with that character. And I feel like it completely just distracts from the flow of the combat in yeah. that game. Um, so he can say it's good. Uh, I can say it's bad, and I guess that's where I sit on yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I also don't appreciate a designer being like, actually, nah, this is good. You just don't yeah. understand it. Yeah, uh, and, and honestly- We're the people playing your game, so how about, uh, yeah, nah. <laughs> and uh,
1: honestly, a designer saying, no, actually, our design is good, isn't even really worth talking about. But the reason I wanted to bring this up is that um, this is the director, you know, um, saying this, and as part of this statement, he, he says, I'm excited to see where we could go with the character in the future or a character like that character, referring to the Marauder. So a uh, long way of saying, if, if you did like Doom but were put off by the Marauder's design, maybe temper expectations for anything coming up because it seems like, at least with the director, he's quite happy with the design and feels like they've learned enough to make something like that work in the future, whether you agree with that or not. So, yeah, not... Super promising if the Marauder was a sticking point for you. Having said that, I when I was in the Marauder fight, I knew in my head that there is a way past this. I didn't know what it was in the moment because the game is so fast-paced, right? Like, it's hard to puzzle out a thing when the game is so fast-paced. But having seen speedrunners do it, they don't even use alpha rotation. Like, there's a thing you can do where you charge up the tri-fire rocket that locks on, mm-hmm. you throw a grenade up to make the Marauder put the shield up towards the grenade and then while he's vulnerable from that fire the rockets and it kills him instantly. There that is go. so Pro that's, so, that's <laughs> so simple and so clean. And this doesn't work on every difficulty obviously depends on what difficulty you do. Speedrunners run on easy. But yeah, still same principle, right? Just do it a couple of times. You have a couple of grenades. Marauder always blocks the grenades first because the first thing that it locks onto that's a threat to it. Yeah. So throw the grenade way out of its really? range so that it looks up completely and then it's vulnerable
0: go figure if you want to have a good time playing uh doom eternal maybe you should try that yeah t- let me know if
1: it works because i haven't tried it since i've seen it but it looks pretty straightforward and i think it would work i don't see why it shouldn't the ai is not that complicated right yeah i
0: don't know i'm i'm interested to see what they do with the series mm-hmm. like for me it was like doom the original uh, the original reboot doom <laughs> just a weird thing to say doom 2016 yeah. it it had the beauty of just no expectations game yep. is out also, they didn't send it to journalists beforehand, so everyone thought it was a trash fire, and it wasn't. Um, and I think it did really good. It did really good on its combat. It did really good on the law, surprisingly. Mm. And yep. I feel like, for the most part, Doom Eternal does really great on its combat, but everything else is just not as tight and not as clean. They tried to develop the lore just way too much, and I have very complex feelings about it story. Doom guys. speaking. Yeah, story
1: in Doom. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. the
0: story in Doom. Um, Like, Doom needs those moments of quiet to, especially because, as you said, it is so fast-paced and the battles are so intense. But unlike 2016, they tried to fill those spaces with these platforming mechanics that just weren't fun, and it wasn't very clear where you should go a lot of the time. It was really frustrating that a lot of those jumps, especially as you get further in the game, Require you to be so absolutely pixel perfect that it felt like I was in a different combat encounter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, a lot of the time, that downtime isn't really downtime at all. It's like learning how to sprint jump and latch and fall into lava a thousand times. And then I just want to turn the game off. And then when you throw the Marauder, which, unless, you know, your your special secret tricks to get through. Yeah, it feels like you need to know. Just slows
1: the combat completely if this was the 90s they'd be accused of putting this in so that they could sell nintendo power magazine yeah yeah
0: exactly right (laughs) yeah so yeah i i don't think it's um just the marauder but i don't know i I would definitely play whatever they do next um i'm very interested to see um and i'm maybe he's not wrong and they can fix this Mm -hmm. uh if everything else around it flows well then i'd be
1: happy one last bit before we cap off the news that I didn't get a chance to put in here because I only saw it as we were talking and running down the news. Uh Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons announced a and d game called uh Dark Alliance, I think. That was
0: announced a while ago. I got it got a
1: trailer. The trailer dropped. Oh. So, oh. a lot of D&D people are relatively optimistic about it so far. It's a high action trailer. Um I don't have much of an impression because all we have is the trailer. So check it out if that is your jam. Um, and of course, you know, standard disclaimer: it's impossible to recreate the magic of a tabletop RPG in a video game. This is probably just going to be an action game with Dungeons and Dragons tacked on top of it. Uh, but it does have beholders, and it looks like liches, and you know, all the standard Dungeons and Dragons flair, fair, even.
0: Um, yeah, and now we that's can- that's cool. Or you could just go and buy Divinity Original Sin two and never play it. Outside of the first area,
1: <laughs> I. It's a, it's a pretty decent first area, though. Gotta say, gotta say.
0: <laughs> it, it is. It is a very nice uh, area.
1: It's a shame that the game ends after like an hour and a half, though.
0: It's, I, I, yeah, I think I they know, could right? get so much it's more out like... of the
1: engine and mechanics. If they just made more than an yeah, hour and a yeah. half worth of content.
0: Yeah, if they just like, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's, it's a little disappointing because everyone talked it up yeah. so much and then it just ends after an hour and a half. It's so really strange. We, <laughs> uh, so we're gonna do something a bit different. We have a question. Uh, from one of our listeners if you are a listener listening to this and you have a question you can send it to us on twitter at pixels breakfast or you can jump into our discord and we have a channel there questions for the pod i think is the name Mm -hmm. of the channel and this first question is a really good one it comes from undead pixel who writes following the success of and my absolute obsession with loop hero i caught myself thinking about the emerging genre of single player auto battlers I believe you might have already touched on the subject in the past, but I think it could make for an interesting essay, like Games for a Busy Age. There is quite a lot of auto-battlers out there right now, and some are doing some interesting things. I'd be interested in hearing from you guys more on this topic. What do you think of these games, and where can we go from here? So, this is interesting because I really, really like Loop Mm -hmm. Hero, and I hear everyone just talk about it, how it's an auto-battler, and I absolutely never play it that way. At all. You're um, super
1: invested like you're in the moment and always like poking things well,
0: you're always getting gear, and there's always something to evaluate and drag onto mm. the character and I play it in a way where there's an option where you can tick that it automatically pauses after mm-hmm. every battle instead of just keep going mm. along um because you're always given cards and you're always given gear, and that gear matters like your build can yeah, change it so matters right in that game yeah, so it's to me it's not an idle game. I can see that like. Maybe technically it is and can be, but for me, it's not. I think it's an idle game for
1: people like Kaya, who just set it up and let it run.
0: Yeah, like to me, an an idle game is like auto chess, right? Where you're checking in just every so often. Um, And I don't like those games because like if I'm playing a game, I want to play a game. Like I'm very much that sort of person. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've like, if I'm being honest, kind of like mobile games, I kind of look down on, on those games because for me- there's, it's just not satisfying mm-hmm. to just see numbers rise. Um, but ha- I do like the idea of, and before we get into this space, I'll get your thoughts, Blue, on idle games. But I do like the idea of games for the busy age because I do have quite a few of those that, as I get older too, and I have less time, I say this as someone who just started playing Final Fantasy X in the year 2021. Yep. Uh, you know, I do gravitate towards those, um, those sorts of games a lot more but how do you feel about idle games like do you play a lot of them like what are your thoughts i you
1: remember when facebook first launched and there were a bunch of idle games on facebook yeah. i played i think it was mouse hunt back then and i really enjoyed the design of mouse hunt because of how restrained it was compared to um this was in the era of the clicker games, right as in when i'm, yep, I'm yep. talking about like the few months where Uh, cow clicker was a thing and cookie clicker was starting to become a thing and i liked how restrained it was in comparison so you know it auto hunts every 15 minutes every 10 minutes or something like that you can come back and click the button and then you can get a a fixed like attempt to trap a mouse and that's it Uh, but there's like crafting and there's this weird progression system there's where you're hunting so Maybe once every couple of days you can decide, I've gotten enough resources from here, I'm going to go over here now. I thought that was a really, really cool design concept. I thought that you get a lot out of that design space, right? Um, of idle games. And then I saw a bit more of what they are, which is adding more action things to make players less bored as they're staring at the screen while it's idling. And I feel like that's missing the point. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, <laughs> yeah, 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 it, totally. it, it kind of feels like, Shouldn't I want to close this screen and not look at this? But that's not a profitable game anymore. A profitable game is one that not only costs money from a player, but occupies space in their brain. And like that's that's, dopamine levels. Yeah, like you need that real estate. And the design that I would have pursued is one where you are relatively stagnant. And then when you choose to have time for the game, there's a flurry of activity, lots of buttons being pressed, and then maybe you trigger... Skinner box buttons that you know just make you feel good about oh yeah I you know I think an idle game has the opportunity to you know the feeling in MMOs where you take too many quests from the hub and then you leave for like four hours and don't come back until every one of them is completed and then you go back to the hub and you put them all in at once I think idle games have the opportunity to work in that space of things where you do Mm -hmm. not much for a very long time and then all of a sudden you can just cash in everything um
0: yeah yeah yeah. I think that's yeah, that's the the yeah,
1: but I'm I'm not sure that that's the design that um is popularly being pursued with idle games. So Loop Hero being considered an idle game is kind of interesting because it still is quite active and has a lot to show you while you're looking at the screen. But I can see how you would just leave it on the second screen. As almost a wallpaper, as you like, did your work? Yeah,
0: and, stuff. and I mean, I'm hearing a lot of people on podcasts like just straight up call it an idle game, and like, I I do understand that maybe people just are not moving those items as often as I am, or, or maybe people have forgotten how Lemmings plays because to me, to me, Loop <laughs> Hero is more
1: of a Lemmings game than an idle game, right? Where where you don't have you don't have control over the character, but you influence almost everything else around it. You influence literally what enemies they're gonna run up against beat through the random number generator um you control what you know stats that they have what loadout they have and stuff like that but you cannot stop the inex inexorable crawl of your hero al- along the loop so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i see more lemmings than idle game in that's
0: interesting yeah. um i did want to touch on the games for the busy age absolutely though, like yeah. as someone who as i said like i don't like the idea of idle games, essentially. Mm. And when I say I don't like the idea or something, like, I don't care if any other, other people it. Yeah, it's not it. for you. It's just not my yeah. thing. That's what yeah, I mean. For sure. Um, I feel like Animal Crossing almost fills this space for me because there is a very finite amount of things I can do per day. It's like, go find my three fossils. Go find the rocks that I can get the mm-hmm. thing. Maybe I will choose a project that I'm trying to save money for. So I go pick fruit and do all that mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then it's done. It's done for the day. Now, I say it's only sort of in that category for me is because it has so many, like, you have to get up on a Saturday, the first Saturday of the month to get this thing. And, oh, it's got the Easter event. You've got to get this all through this month for 30 days. And, like, I can never in my life, uh, and, you know, poor me, but I can never work those things out to fit in with everything that's going on in my life. So, I always miss out on those things. And because I miss out on the things, then I lose interest. Um, But- uh, Dauntless, I think, is probably one of my favorite games for the busy age. Like, I really like Monster Hunter mm-hmm. and Rise is coming out next week. So excited. <laughs> um, But, like, World kind of fixed this a little bit and maybe Rise will too. But, like, when you get down to hunt after those first few things, like, it's a good hour or two hours, um, you know, to do one or two hunts, sometimes even longer, depending on failure states and all that sort of mm. thing. Mm. And there's a lot of planning and there's a lot of grinding and Dauntless gives a distilled version of that where hunts are over in 15 minutes. So I can get two or three or four hunts done in a lunch break sort Mm -hmm. of thing, depending Mm -hmm. on, you know, situations. And I really like games that have, you know, that that complex loop distilled down to just its core. And while it may lose some of the depth of those games, it still has enough to make you feel good and proud and excited to be Mm. playing it. And I think a game like Dauntless really scratches that itch when you're busy. And I also, for single player narratives, much prefer games that are two to six hours long over games that are 30 hours long or even 10 hours long in many cases. Because I would rather a short, punchy story that doesn't overstay its welcome than just artificial mm-hmm. length. Mm-hmm. And for so long, we've had artificial length because games are a value proposition. We've intrinsically tied the amount of time for money we can get out of a game as being like, that's the, the benchmark and has been since, you know, the NES era. Yep. Uh, like, I don't, I think we're at a point where that is not necessarily true and should not be true, especially as we have different price points of games. So it makes sense to have a $20, $20 two hour game. Like I'd rather pay 20 bucks for two hours. That is just really good and leaves me wanting mm-hmm. more than a game that was really good for the first four hours and then I'm just slogging through it because I paid money for it and I want to see the end. Um, So I'm, in general, just more down for those short, snappy experiences. Um, It's a bit of a a tangent Mm. for sure, but I do think, like, Warframe's another good one. Mm -hmm. Like, you can get a mission or two done in 20 minutes in Warframe and it's a very competent action game that it's free-to-play mechanics and everything get a little too far into the weeds Mm. for me. But just those games that... Don't, I feel like the, in the past, the thing was, okay, if you're a game that I can only play for 15 minutes to accomplish something, you're obviously very basic or you're a kid's mm. game. Games that are not doing that, games that are just like, it's a real, I hate like thinking this way, but it's a quote unquote video game. It's got all of that <laughs> depth that you want. Yeah. But do you know what yeah. I mean? It's not like, oh, it's only 15. You can oh no, that's a crap game. Cause it's just so easy. Like, no, it's a hard, interesting game with depth and things to do. And then you're done and you can get out and I can, I can visit that on a day or every day or two as opposed to, okay, I need to set aside three hours to achieve something yeah. in, in a totally. game. You know what I mean?
1: So interesting. So many points that you touch on are, are fascinating here. Uh, if you don't mind, I want to like uh, just, just lightning round real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Animal Crossing, the, the flow that you're describing, that's gotcha games, right? That's what a gotcha game is just without the transactions associated with it. You log yeah, in, yeah, you do exactly. a thing, you're done. Because that's, that's all a gacha game has time for you to do, that's all it wants you to do. Uh, Dauntless and Monster Hunter, super- inter- I would be so remiss here if I didn't point out that Rowan must be screaming in his head at me right now, that, uh, Platforms and Pitfalls did an episode on core loops and time, as in, like, time structures around how core loops function. Uh, and Monster Hunter was one of our, like, picks for this, because it has this super discreet loop of, you wanna hunt? A hunt is maximum 50 minutes, probably, though, Probably, though, about 20. And the reason you can go long is because you're, you're talking about if I fail, I'm going to try again. But the what Monster Hunter was designed for was on a train trip of about 15 to 20 minutes, you do a hunt. Win or fail, you do a hunt. That's it. Uh, yeah,
0: but the, the thing is, if you're coming, especially those older Monster Hunter games, like if you're coming into that with no experience and you're learning how the weapons work, the behavior of the enemies the how you track it like how you used to track mm-hmm. it like in those old monster hunter games i would spend 20 minutes walking around the environment looking for the monster i'm looking for. right now it's much more simplified now I'm, I'm coming from the space of the old as i said world fixes this problem in a big way if the demo any indication rise, rise, is rise fixes be. this yeah, problem yeah. in a real way too um
1: yeah, the um, interesting thing about that is that uh you're absolutely right there is a huge onboarding cost for monster hunter but once you do, once you know what you're looking for, a hunt actually is about 15 to 20 minutes. Unless you'd like take one of the like super complicated ones, right? It is one train ride's length of it. And like this is yeah, absolutely. This is credit to what Dauntless was able to do. It went to the Monster Hunter formula and it said, no, this was the part I want out of it. And it's much better at reducing that onboarding cost. So you got to that point because that point exists for all Monster Hunter players. What you're talking about where you can just drop in and within an hour, you know how much you can do, right? Like very fixed, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. like I mean,
0: I'm at that I'm at that point now, mm. I'm thinking back when I first started, yeah right, so um, yeah but then that also goes this is completely off a tangent mm-hmm. here, but that goes to one of my biggest pet peeves with games and game fans is oh, you've gotta wait forty hours and then it's good, right <laughs> like well- that's that's basically what you're saying, you've gotta you've gotta get that onboarding, and then it's good, it's like if that, that onboarding is 40 50 hours i am not playing your game i am not interested i have no like it's i'm gonna jump off that in about an that's hour that's super
1: interesting that you say it that way um you've described me before as a mechanical player right so yeah. for me and i imagine quite a few people are like me the mechanical process of learning is the fun part of the game so that onboarding is fun um whereas i know for you, for example, you want to get to the hitting the monster in the head part, right? Um, I love, by the way, I love in Monster Hunter going, okay, okay, I need to be looking out for this. Okay, okay, when he does, when, when the monster like rears back like this, I want to be here. And then finding an opportunity within the next few fights to solidify that conscious thought into, this is how I fight the monster by habit now, you know? Um, and I don't know, that's really cool. It, I like Monster Hunter because it allows me to learn, <laughs> like weirdly enough. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: I mean, that's why I like Monster Hunter too, And Monster Hunter is kind of the exception of that rule Mm. to me. But the only reason I got into that is because I had someone around me who was, like, a Monster Hunter pro who made me see that. Like, if I had have just gone and bought Monster Hunter and played it in a vacuum as myself, Mm. like, I would not have had that experience. I would have bounced Mm -hmm. off it. But because I was able to see how... That person played the game and the knowledge that he passed on to me that gave me a head start, yep. that's what made me dive into it's, it, right? Like, it's a big reason of why I haven't played a lot of these bigger RPGs because if it's like, well, you got to put 20 hours and then the story really starts to <laughs> pick yeah, up, yeah. then like if the story is really slow and I'm not a huge fan of turn-based combat, why am I going to put 20 hours yep. into it? to find out if I like yeah. it then. <laughs> like, do Absolutely. you know what I mean? Um, so the game has to grab me because, like, even though I'm not anywhere near a mechanical player like mm. you, like, I like games that are challenging and have interesting yeah. mechanics that I need to learn, but something else has to grab me and make sure I have that drive. If it's just, well, I'm not having fun and the story's shit and I'm these mechanics are kind of interesting but nothing special, I'm definitely not going to put in yep. the time. And I feel like a lot of these sorts of games or a lot of games suffer from that. Mm. And then the fans are like, no, you just yeah. didn't get it, man. And it's like, no, it's like TV shows are the same. It's like, oh, well, you got to watch the first season, but season two is when it gets really good. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to watch 12 hours of a TV show to get to the season that's apparently good. And then I'm more often than not going to be like, oh, yeah, it's not that good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Um, games for busy for the busy age. Is a fascinating topic and conversation. Uh, I think that a lot of Japanese games structure themselves around fixed play session times. And that's Um,
0: probably Japanese lifestyle, a big. Yeah. Much more
1: cognizant of how much time people have in the day. Whereas it's a lot easier to just go, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to sleep at four in the morning to play this, which happens so much in Western. In the West, I feel like. I feel like it happens more in the West. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not seeing it with the with the Japanese stuff. I guess I have heard of people who just lose entire nights playing like, oh, this new game just, this new Final Fantasy just came out and they spend the entire night playing it, right? That does happen as well, I suppose. Um,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm sure. Do you remember does,
1: Asura's Wrath? I
0: mean, I remember it. I've never
1: played it, but... Did you know that Asura's Wrath is structured around an anime episode? As in... I did Yeah. Know that. So, so this is one of the games we talked about in that episode of Platforms and Pitfalls as well. And one of the games that inspired us to make this it's that the way Asura's Wrath is designed it's almost episodic in nature and you would honestly get most out of it if you played one episode quote unquote per day because at the end of every episode there is like a proper like that's right at the start of every episode there is this like last time on Asura's Wrath kind of thing going on and it is crazy batshit anime-esque action and it's not meant to be taken in all at once because you get It's like eating a full cheesecake all at once. You know, a slice at a time tastes much better in the long run. It's
0: Um. interesting that you you say that, though, because that is also outside of just I think Alan Wake is a flawed but just amazing narrative Mm. game. That was one of the best things about it is when it was broken into chapters and it gave you previously Alan Wake the next time you play. Like, I love games that do that, and Alan Wake made sort of a narrative conceit as to why that was happening, which is even Mm. better. But- yeah, it's interesting because it was like, when I played that game, originally it was like, okay, I'm going to do a chapter a night kind mm. of thing. And it had that natural, okay, I feel satisfied mm-hmm. and, and ready to to leave and not Netflix binge this yeah. thing.
1: Yeah. So I, I think if you're talking about games for the busy age or games for people who are ready to try to slot games, uh, to try to slot in playtime around their life, as opposed to building a life around games, which is what a lot of what I do, right, is... I make time for games, then there needs to be this kind of acceptance for games that aren't targeted at the hardcore I want to finish all in one session. Because that does change the way you ap- approach the game. Like, that changes yeah. the, the flavor for of sure. It. And I don't think that it's, it's going to be a very hard proposition to get people on board with. You mean I'm not supposed to play this entire game at once? Like, Animal Crossing, look at that, <laughs> right? Like That's like poster boy for that concept is do not play this all at once. People still time travel. Yeah, it's kind
0: of interesting, right? Because I feel like... Obviously, the people who were designing games when we were kids uh, are much older now. And games were just 100% marketed at kids during that era. Really. Right? Kids and teens. Mm. And it was like, well, you're not doing anything. You're a kid. So, right? And now people our age are designers. Mm. So, I do wonder how much that is going to- play into things going forward because there is just that that constant battle. As I said, I think a big problem is the intrinsic value of time yeah, to dollars. Definitely. Spent. I think that's the biggest hurdle. Definitely.
1: Right and it's and it's a ridiculous hurdle because, like, for example, right, I spent um what was it, like $15, maybe? No, a bit less, maybe like 10 US dollars on Signar Wild Hearts. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing game. It's about two hours. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cost of a movie. Well, Why is that bad? Like, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, the thing here, right? Like we are way in the weeds. So I hope this is, I hope this is good podcast content. Um, It's all undead pixels. The whole thing here I see, right? Like if someone releases a two hour game for $70, like I don't feel good about that. Yes. Right. Like that's, it does, there needs to be the realm of, you know, what you're getting for what you're paying. But, Like, Red Dead Redemption 2. How long is that game? Like, 80 (laughs) to 100 hours? Yeah. Do you think that the same story with the same amount of impact with just a good experience could have been served up in 40 hours? Probably.
1: Oh, 40 hours? Easily. If you want to get it down to, like, 20, then it's like, uh, maybe. But I would still say maybe. Not impossible, you know? Yeah.
0: This is the issue that I have. There's just so much faff around a lot of these mm. games that just extend them out, like, so much. Like... Even the original Bioshock, like, that game, I think, is about 10 hours long. Mm. Like, you can finish it much quicker, uh, especially if you've played it before, right? But I think if they had to cut that down to six hours, I'd Mm. pay 60 bucks for that still, and you would probably have a more compelling story that doesn't have moments where it drags its feet. And even as someone who's been on this podcast saying, like, yeah, because Zero, like, changed the way I thought about games because I had room to breathe and move mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, I still think that that game is far too long. <laughs> it could have mm-hmm. achieved the same amount in about 40 hours, I mm, think. Interesting. interesting. Um, I don't know. Because the thing is, like, there is a difference between- like, that game is so long because it forces you to do side content okay. before you get... Which is another pet peeve of mine with games, and it's usually Japanese yes. games that do yep. it, where you get so far in the, the main quest line, and there's like, ah, oh, actually, you yep. need to be, like, 30 levels higher than you are now, so you yep. must go do that side content. If they content don't explicitly say
1: it, it implicitly restricts you from levels or whatever. Yep.
0: Exactly. Um, yeah. And it's just like, if you had told me that at the start, like, I still have never and I will never finish the original Yokai watch because <laughs> yeah. I was mainlining that for a stream. Yeah. I was, like, 40 hours into yeah. that game. I was, like, all on it, got up to, like, to basically the last set of quests, and I was like, nah, you can't do it until you do it X percentage of the side quests. Yeah. Did not tell me that any time during the game mm-hmm. leading up to that yeah. moment. I, like, done. I'm done. See ya. Like, I hate that. Anyway. That was definitely not related to the topic, the Undead (laughs) Pixel. Thank you so much for that question. That was a really cool question. And it actually, I don't know. Let us know if you- Yeah, do you want to derail the podcast again in the future? Please
1: send us anything. Yeah. Even if you send us like a line of gibberish saying gobbledygook, it'll probably derail this podcast. Exactly.
0: But I do think- Let us know if you're interested in us distilling these thoughts down. Maybe I could see us doing a bit of an essay around this. Maybe a video essay or something. Possibly. I have thoughts. Blue. Yeah, I also have games that I Yeah, I've let's uh oh, we're past the 1 hour mark, so yeah, let's uh let's let's dive into your games. Good thing I've only played one game. Well. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: going to try to go quick. So we talked about auto battlers and I didn't bring this up, but technically I've I you know, I still play Hearthstone's auto battler, um Battlegrounds. I still play Magic the Gathering Arena. Um on and off, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um I picked up Ring Fit Adventure last week.
0: Yes. We already talked about this once in the podcast. You didn't have no, it then.
1: How are you finding uh, it? Good. I don't push myself on it, so I don't feel like crazy sore mm-hmm. next day. But, I, you know, there's definitely like stress um, on muscle groups and stuff like that, which is good. I'm not a fit person. Like, <laughs> full disclaimer,
0: completely <laughs> unfit.
1: I like sitting down the whole day and not moving. I don't feel bad about that. Uh, I try to eat not horribly, and I try to get away with, you know, just that. But Ring Fit Adventure is a good excuse to spend 10 to 15 minutes a day moving and being active. And that's about all I, I'm mm-hmm. using it for at the moment. I'm not pushing to do like an hour-long exercise session, for example. Um, yep. Maybe someday in the future. But yeah, it's good. It's very, very good. Um, it's simple, but not... Like, I, I tried to get my mother into it. Not super simple. Like, there's still mm-hmm. a lot of gamer language in it, which is, I'm always interested in like, learning from a design perspective. I'm a horrible son, by the way. I don't tell her how to play. I just kind of watch her struggle. <laughs> I best. just watch her struggle against the UI. Because in my yeah. head all I'm doing is calculations of oh that's actually super interesting to know. And it never occurs to me that I should help her play. But yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, aside from that, it's um no, it, I just really yeah, it
0: like its design. It it's so clean and, and welcoming, and I think it does a really good job of teaching you those exercises okay. and, and obviously like it's they can't comment on your form, but I think that the demonstrations are done in a way that makes it very clear what you should yes, be doing. Absolutely. And like, it's a, it's an easy I, game yeah, to I cheat, it's great. but
1: very much in the realm of why are you doing that? You know, like, you get nothing out of cheating this game. Um, yeah. And I, it's interesting how much they've learned from Wii Fit. I love just the facts they sprinkle in. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> I
0: and think it's, it's weird because, like, Wii Fit was this interesting experiment, mm. but it was never really fun. Mm. It was, like, cute, yeah. almost. Yeah. And this is actually kind it of is. fun. Like, I kind of yeah. dig it. Uh, it has enough, var- I,
1: and I think a big part of it is that it has enough variety in what it's being able to offer you because it, it holds back yeah. a lot to begin with to get you comfortable and familiar for yeah. for video games, right? It holds back a lot, um, and then it slowly opens that door. And there's a lot that it can offer, and it's what it's its main fear. I can tell the main fear of the design is people getting bored too quickly on it. So that's why it mm-hmm. feeds you things at a at a decent pace. But it also knows how to just say this isn't a game you're supposed to binge. It's not. it's it's really just not so don't do it take care of yourself and yeah almost like it's a
0: game for the busy age
1: Uh, in a lot of ways right absolutely because you would fit this in where it makes sense it in fact has a lot of tips about like set an alarm um make it so that you can try to build a habit around when you do it it's it's less important of how long you do it and more important of doing it consistently you know all the things that you would have heard people who um, ext- uh, extol on the virtues of exercise telling you. Um, it has functionality so that you can just use the ring and do like presses or pulls with the game off while you're watching TV because any kind of motion is good for you. That kind of stuff's cool. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I think there's a way that we can uh, exchange ring points or something. we we'll Oh yeah, sent, I've already sent
1: this. I've already sent things to you. Oh well,
0: there you go. You've just called me out <laughs> saying that I haven't logged
1: yeah. in. No, <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it, but then you outed yourself. So I'm like, yeah, no, I've already done that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So the the yeah. idle, um, as in game off presses and all that can be sent and i've already been sending you so
0: oh uh, that's how it that works yeah. i haven't i haven't done that because normally we have a exercise bike behind yeah. our couch so like i well, i haven't recently but yeah you know, y- sando and i will we'll jump on there you're watching TV, watch tv and,
1: and exercising is the bike as opposed to the shitty ring yeah right? but
0: i might i might do <laughs> while watching some uh hey trash, look, i didn't send a lot uh, to you I was,
1: to be fair a part of it was like just kind of learning how it works and then yeah other than that, uh, Persona 5 Strikers is ongoing, um, but it's been a really busy week, and then I just ducked into a bit of Hades again this week to fill out some time. Lots of um, Switch time, which is good. Oh, and we, we played a bit of Monster Hunter together. Yeah,
0: we did. We, uh, we jumped into that yeah, demo. We, we got our ass um, handed
1: to us by a uh, bubble snake.
0: Yeah, the bubble snake. We, we tried it twice. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, we failed both yeah. times, but I, I played Hammer for the first time, and I really, really enjoyed mm. it, so I think that might be my first weapon. My first point of call next oh, week when it awesome. launches.
1: Looking forward to it. Um, so that leads us to what you've been playing other than a Monster Hunter Rise So
0: Day. I'm not going to lie. Life is really busy and draining and I have not done any, any gameplay for Pixel stuff. So uh, review is for Fights in Tight Spaces is still ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have just been taking some time to just play a game for me um, this week in between all of the, the work and life busyness. Mm-hmm. And that game has been Final Fantasy mm-hmm. X. And I cannot believe that I have done nothing but play Final Fantasy X for an entire week. Uh, Feels good. That is a lie. I I did two runs of Dead Cells. No, but outside of that, I have done nothing but play Final Fantasy yep. X. Um, game is like good. Mm. Like it's just um. So spoiler alert for a game that's about ten years old, twenty years old. I don't know. It's old. Yeah. Um. So if you don't want to uh get you know anything ruined for you um. But I'm not going to go too in depth because I'm really bad at remembering character names and stuff. But like, there's just something so satisfying and heartfelt about this story mm. of of Yuna and a traveling band of weird, mismatched um guardians yep. as, as they're setting off to try and get to uh, Zanakin. Mm-hmm. Is that yep. the name? See, I'm saying these words feel so foreign yeah. to me. Um, like I wouldn't say the story's it's good. Not, I- I wouldn't even call the characters three-dimensional. No, they're they're not. not. (laughs) And that's like... (laughs) Isn't that great? It feels to me... It feels to me like I'm watching like a high school play of something that's just not coming together. And that's also... Oh, there's a baby screaming outside. Sorry if that comes through in the recording. There's not much I can do (laughs) about that. (laughs)
1: Uh, Final Um, Fantasy
0: makes babies scream. Uh, Yeah. They're like, he's National Treasure. He's... that (laughs) Anyway... um, the character is like, oh, my God. Uh, Titus, he's, he's like, I guess, adult voice. I think that's what's going I, on I there. So. You know how he's got the internal monologue yeah. and it's like way yeah. deeper. It is horrendous. Yeah. It is so bad. Carrying on like, the legacy the way, like, of really bad Final Fantasy protagonists. Uh, yeah. He's just like, he'll just be like, yeah, let's go do this. And then we went and did that. Like, it's just, like, it doesn't add anything. And it's just so jarring and strange. And as I was saying, it's like a high school musical because, like, the characters, there's no natural flow to when their, like, voice dialogue comes in. So, there's always, like, this awkward pause before they start talking. Um, But I love it. It's just so charming. And it's really interesting to me that I do feel that way because there is absolutely zero nostalgia attached to it Mm. for me. Like... I would understand someone saying things like this because like, oh, it was like the first Final Fantasy game I played. Or I was stuck inside all summer because I broke my arm and I did nothing but play this game for an entire summer. And that's why I love it so much. Uh, Like, I didn't even play JRPG, so I don't even love the genre, Mm -hmm. right? But there is just something that is capturing me with this game and I just can't let it go. Um, And it's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, I'm like 15 hours in. I just uh, got on the shoe puff. Okay, the weird mm-hmm. elephant. And um, yeah, Yuna's real bad at not getting kidnapped, eh? I feel like every like, hour that she's got to be kidnapped by someone.
1: Y- Yuna like, has she's... very strong damsel vibes, which is really surprising yeah, like... when she hangs out with like giant space laser shooting birds. And
0: well, that's what I was about to say. She's like this badass yeah. summoner who has like all these, like you know, and it's just like one Al Bled shows up and she's gone. And then I'm underwater fighting like a tank. Um, it's, it's weird. Um, I'm going to see it through. Like, this is definitely my, my focus over the next, uh, probably a month or so. It'll take me to get through this, I think. I don't know. If you're um, 15
1: hours in, you're more than halfway through.
0: Yeah, well, see, this is the thing. Like, I also really want to play Blitzball. Like a lot of Blitzball. <laughs> I like Blitzball. Like, I, in the I, it is a sickness- you know, maybe, maybe when uh, Blood Bowl 3 comes out, that sickness will be quelled a uh-huh. little bit and I can move on. But weird sport that doesn't You're exist. You're such a jock. I'm, You're such a video game jock. I'm like the nerdiest jock ever because I only like sports don't that exist. don't exist. <laughs> yeah. But the, um, I would, I would 100% and I, I don't, you could maybe correct me, but I would put money down for a well-designed spin-off, it's just Blitzball, there's a bunch of really cool teams, you can build your own team, there's, like, a progression system, and I would pay for that. Did this they ever do a spin-off? Please, they, make my dream come not, true. Did they do a spin-off? Not to my
1: knowledge, but I'm not a huge 10 <sighs> buff. This is, this is not the okay. first time a minigame in Final Fantasy has, like, gotten this kind of like love. Triple Triad from Final Fantasy VIII is, like, people are, like, crazy over that game.
0: Um, well, here's the, here's the problem blue, because as part of this and, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm really like, I, I am final fantasy right now and yeah. Okay. There's a huge sale on the entire franchise on the switch right now. uh Huh? That's a thing that's Uh happened. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I guess I'll just pick up final fantasy seven and eight and Hmm. nine. And now I have those. I have those just waiting for me. So that's those are longer games. I, I have Those are longer than I 10. Have an Ill- I know. I have an illness. I have an illness. So I guess I'll get to try triple triad is is what I'm saying. I good things about that. It's too. not your game. I'm gonna
1: say it now. I don't think it's your game. I, I'd be <laughs> super into you like loving Triple Triad, but I, I suspect it's not your game. Okay. No.
0: Okay. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Stranger things have happened. I did start playing Fantasy. Yeah, plans,
1: yeah, no, then... totally. <laughs> totally, totally. And if you get into Triple Triad, I have like I have tips from you. I don't remember how to do a lot of stuff, but I, I do remember this. Don't play on the rule set that your opponents want you to play on. Go out of your way to get rid of that
0: shit. Like Alright. Alright. So um yeah, I've got a tidy little backlog of Final Fantasy now. Yeah. So okay. Look.
1: You remember when we said like don't eat a whole cheesecake? Don't play Final Fantasies back to back.
0: Oh, right. No, that's yeah like yeah, I'm not there's gonna
1: be no. monster hunter soon there's gonna be yeah. more ring fit
0: adventure <laughs> in your life soon yeah uh, and, you know I need to get back to that whole making content yeah. thing so, so <laughs> if, if if 10 lasts you the the rest of the month
1: it, because it's hopefully not that long hey that'd be cool
0: um yeah no nah, I'd be very cool yeah. on that um I also picked up Dragon Quest builders mm-hmm. and uh the Mario three day collection. So I'm finally going to...
1: You got Mario it before
0: 64. it went away. Yep. I did the thing that You're I did You're part win. of the no, problem. I was in a, I was in a, You're
1: part of the problem. I was in a second... Ha-
0: at To be fair, I was in a second-hand oh, You didn't store give Nintendo any I money? I it second-hand. No, didn't, I didn't give that money. didn't give Nintendo money.
1: I, I think it's yeah, fine no. if you want to own it. Like, Mario is such a good franchise. And for a lot of people, they're just really, really solid games.
0: You know? Well, to be uh, honest, like I don't like Mario 64, what I have played of it. Like, I think that game's terrible. Um, I'm... I, the only way
1: I would play 64 is in that weird mod where you can play it online and multiplayer, and you can play as various characters that are not Mario. Yeah, that's such cool. a weird mod to me. Cool. But yeah, cool.
0: I um I've never played Sunshine and I've always wanted to, so that's the main reason I picked it up because I'm not gonna go get a GameCube. Mm-hmm. And um, Galaxy great. Galaxy is probably my second favorite Mario. Mm. Uh, well, no, Galaxy mm-hmm. Two would be, mm-hmm. but you know, um, Super Mario World is still the best. Um. And that's all I've been playing. My mister is still being built. They ran out of black cases, so I'm getting a white one, and that's kind of cool. And that's it. That's it. That's it. That's a podcast. Um, So, quick wrap-up of content. I did drop top 10 indie games for April. That came out today of the recording, so it's up on YouTube right now. Go check it out. Find yourself a new indie game for next month. Colourful set of games Blue. Now. Oh, yeah. They're- so... I'm actually going to try and um, because my number one pick from that game, uh, from that list, comes out the day after my birthday. So, I'm thinking of maybe mm. having a virtual birthday party within that game if I can swing something. That's cool. Um, so, that'll be cool. But uh, also, Blue's other podcast, Platforms of Pitfalls, did launch a new episode this week. Also, just gone, uh, was the collectible secret collectibles and games, I think was the Correct. topic. Uh, so, make sure you go check that out. All of this is on PixelsForBreakfast.net. As I said, Fights in Tight Spaces is currently in the works. The vampire script is getting close to completion. Uh, so, I'm hoping we're going to have that up. Look, it's I'm going to be honest, it's probably not super relevant anymore, but... A fair bit of work went into the research of it and we've, I've never made a longer form video before, so I'm just basically going to do this as a learning experience, but I really would appreciate everyone's support on that video when it does come out. And uh, we have a couple of other indie games in the works that we're looking at reviews for at the moment. So, you made it sound um, like we're making cheap. indie games. Oh, uh, well, that's a whole other topic that we are working on something that we're not going to talk about because uh, who knows what that thing's going to turn into um (laughs) i didn't
1: say anything i didn't
0: i didn't say anything there yeah no you're right anyway (laughs) uh blue anything you'd like to add before we say goodbye
1: uh take care of yourself out there world world's a bit shitty (laughs) yeah
0: chin up make sure that you tell someone that you love them make sure that you come over to our discord and throw some questions our way for next week and as always don't forget to pixelate your breakfast that was a good episode blue エクセル